It's an 87th Precinct podcast solo episode. Hi everyone, Happy New Year. This is Paul here. I hope you've all had great Christmases and holidays, and I hope that Literature Santa bought you all the books you wanted. I got a copy of Me and Hitch by Evan Hunter, which is about the writing and making of the birds and working with Alfred Hitchcock. So I'm looking forward to reading that soon. We'll probably do a special podcast about the birds when we get to around 1963 in our regular podcast. Although I believe Hunter started work on it in the early 60s, 1961. So it might not be too long before we get round to having a look at that as a side pod. I've got to also give, right at the top of the show, a special mention to our friend from America, Stella, who kindly sent us at the podcast a Christmas present in the form of the book club edition of the story and all through the house 87th precinct christmas story and that was a wonderful gesture and we really really appreciated that thank you stella we're looking forward to getting around to doing a special festive edition of that story when the time's right it's from 1984 the copyright on this edition although the copy that most people will have is the slipcase illustrated edition from the early 90s so i need to work out where exactly this comes in the timeline of the 87th precinct but that is for another occasion anyway as we're getting organized after coming back from the christmas break we're sorting out our schedules and the like i thought i'd jump in here with a little look back over the stories from the 1950s that we've looked at so far uh, have a little assessment of the series itself how it got going in its first decade have a rundown of our scores and our scoring system as well, and give you a bit more information about Kenneth, our computer. But before we get going, I'd just like to remind you about all the various places you can find us and get in touch with us. We're on Twitter at Hark87Podcast. We've got the blog, which is Hark87Podcast.blogspot.com. And we're on Facebook as well, if you search for us there. And the episodes themselves can be found on hearthis.at and search for Hark87 Podcast. And the same thing goes for iTunes and Stitcher and Blueberry and Acast. It's quite easy to find us. We are the world's only dedicated 87th Precinct podcast. So there's no one competing with us and you shouldn't get confused and end up listening to something. I don't even know what there would be to get confused with. There are other things called Hark. Don't listen to them. Unless they're good, do what you like. It'd be great if on the podcast platforms you listen on, you could uh, share, rate, review, like um, the podcast so we can try and get to more people. Reviews and ratings really do help with that. So if you could spare the time and wish to say something nice about us, then that would be really, really appreciated. Talking about ratings, it's worth mentioning now how we rate each book. At the end of each podcast episode where we've looked at a story... Each of us, me, Morgan and Steve-O, award the story a number of police shields out of a hundred. And then we use our computer, Kenneth, to do the calculations required to work out what the ultimate score is. I couldn't possibly dream of doing maths as complicated as adding three numbers together and dividing them by three. That's beyond my wildest imaginings. So, we have Kenneth. Kenneth is a repurposed computer that was originally used when we used to go on the Great North Beer Run, which we still occasionally do, which was a train journey between two northern towns or cities, so say Liverpool to Leeds or something like that, and in each pub we would score a number of factors such as bar staff banter, um, fixtures and fittings, and the recently added qualitative measurement of danger rating. 
and Kenneth was the computer we'd used to pull these all together. Now, Kenneth has been around a long time. It's a particular brand of computer. I dug into the archives and found this film footage of an advert for the original Kenneth from 1967. I'm going to play that for you now. So that's the projector starting up. And here we go. In today's fast-paced world, finding the time to compute every number nearly every time is becoming an increasingly challenging task. Have you ever found yourself having to sleep on a bench outside Shoe Zone in Eccles because you'd failed to plan when the last train was? Well, maybe you've suffered the shame of awarding too high a score to a pub's toilets because the complex algorithms needed to factor in the hand dryer's failed heater were just too difficult to do in the eight minutes available to drink a pint and leave the pub. These common scenarios can be avoided by using Kenneth, your one-stop automated solution for beer run needs. Kenneth computes every number nearly every time honestly, has been developed by amalgamated British computer science and electronic engineering industries in conjunction with a leading team of scientists from the University of Manchester and uses the latest beer bivalve electronic engineering relay technology. Kenneth can Calculate proposed timetables for beer run routes. Calculate overall scores for pubs with capability for up to 32 different input variables. Produce a lovely certificate for any pub attaining the highest score on any one day. And if that's not enough, all new Dynamic Kenneth can generate real-time timetable alterations whilst you're on the move. For those occasions when getting off at Bebbington just doesn't seem like a good idea anymore. Dynamic Kenneth is available for a short time at the special price of £15,060, 12 shillings and 4 pence, and only requires 20 cubic metres of space and a separate 2,500 watt generator not included in the list price. What are you waiting for? Remember, if it doesn't say amalgamated British computer science and electronic engineering industries on the faux walnut console, it's not Kenner. Oh, I love those old uh, film projectors. You can smell the dust burning on the lamp. Anyway, that was the original Kenneth. That's where he came from. And now he's been repurposed to help us keep track of the scores for Ed McBain's 87th Precinct series. Like I say, this episode's going to be about the books from the 1950s. So I'll give you a quick rundown of their titles, the order they came in, the year they came out, and what we rated them. So, first out... Cop Hater from 1956, we rated at 86 Police Shields. This is followed in the same year by The Mugger, which got 76, and The Pusher, which got 75. That's the original three books from the series, where it could have ended if they hadn't proved popular and they didn't carry on to another commission for more stories. In 1957, we start with The Con Man, which got 83, followed by Killer's Choice, which got 71. In 58, we get Killer's Payoff, which scored 80, Lady Killer, which got 83, and Killer's Wedge, which got 82. In 1959, we have both the Nadir of our scores so far, which was 69 for Till Death, and the Zenith, which was 89 for King's Ransom. And those are the books that were released in the 1950s. A little bit of additional information about The Pusher, which we did 
ages ago. I found out in a article from the Irish Times dated February the 2nd, 1961, that it was on the list of banned books in Ireland at that point. Ireland did have a quite a vigorous censorship programme and books that were deemed to be indecent or obscene were banned. I can't find any reason more explicit than that about why the book was banned, except that the pusher has got some quite graphic descriptions of drug use and that was probably the reason for it being on that list. I can't find any information about when it would have come off the list or anything like that. So, yeah, at one point you could not buy The Pusher by Ed McBain in Ireland. So originally these books were only produced in paperback as part of the permabooks range from Pocket Books with great artwork of what these days you'd search for pulp book covers if you were looking for these sort of images. And they contain what I've discovered has been called GGA, Good Girl Art, where you have a female character usually in some sultry or seductive pose, which is lifted from the plot sometimes, sometimes just shoehorned onto the cover. Oh, that sounds painful, being shoehorned onto a cover. And you've got some great paintings by artists like Lou Marchetti, Charles Binger, or Binger, I don't know, James Meese, Robert Schultz, Darcy. And these are great to look at, but later on in the series, partway through this run, they start coming out in hardback once they're that popular under the Simon & Schuster uh, imprint with the inner sanctum mystery as their main thing and of course there's been numerous other paperback editions since their original run they were brought out in a few years later in the uk by tv boardman initially and then penguin books got hold of them for the most part and there's editions by people like dell and then in the 90s 2000s you've got the orion editions and things like that so there's all sorts of covers and editions of these things and i think people have their favorites it's very hard in the uk to get hold of the perma book editions of this stuff or anything i think in perma books really i think it's very much an american domestic market and hasn't really translated abroad into secondhand bookshops and things like that but we do have some fantastic covers from the penguin ones and some not-so-fantastic covers from some of the later reissues. And if you look at the Amazon editions now that are available online, the only way you can buy an 87th Precinct book new is through Amazon. Those covers, while I'm sure all stacked side-to-side would look very nice on a bookshelf, uh, don't do much for me anyway, let's put it that way. It doesn't sound particularly desirable. Ah, that's the sound of Steve Carella himself from the TV series based on the 87th Precinct books, which happens in the 1960s, so we're not going to talk about now. But it is a good introduction to the, what I suppose we could call a cast list for these stories. One of the great things about the series is how you get to grow with these characters over the years, and Steve Carella is at the heart of that. But the idea is that it's a conglomerate hero, it's a group hero based around the cops of the 87th Precinct and specifically the detectives of the 87th Precinct. Obviously, because the stories are police procedural, we do see other aspects of police work as well. We see a lot of patrolmen involved, the uniform division. We get lots of detail about police lab work, forensics, and the different people that might get involved from specialist areas such as homicide or missing persons, very often thrown in for comic relief against the actual horror of the story, which usually involves a corpse or two. But Steve Carella is our linchpin character in the squad. So I'm going to give you a rundown of everything that happens to Steve Carella in the 1950s. Oh, that's almost impossible. I assure you it's not, Steve. Thank you, we love you too. Well, that's nice. Okay, then uh, here we go. Thank you very much. 
Steve Carella, a third-generation Italian-American, is a detective second grade in the 87th Precinct on the island of Isola in a major city in America. He is dating Theodora Terry Franklin, a deaf-mute, and they are engaged to be married at the time when a supposed cop-hater kills three of his colleagues, Detectives Reardon, Bush and Foster. During the investigation, a newspaper man, Cliff Savage, publishes details of Steve and Teddy's relationship, including her address, and the cop-hater, who is in fact enthralled to Detective Bush's wife, breaks into her apartment, but is shot by Carella. Shortly after, Steve and Teddy are married, and during the honeymoon, the other detectives on the squad work on muggings and murder. Returning to work, Carella investigates drug-related crimes involving his lieutenant's son, but ends up being shot in the line of duty. He survives, and while he investigates bodies being dumped in the river, his wife, Teddy, finds evidence of who has committed the crime. Unable to communicate with her husband via phone, she follows this con man before getting captured and then saved by her husband. Not long after this, Corella's colleague, the brutish Roger Haviland, is killed and his replacement, Cotton Hawes, joins a squad, rubbing Corella up the wrong way and almost getting him killed before they learn mutual respect for each other at the conclusion of an investigation into a murdered blackmailer. Soon enough, they are investigating the vague threat of murder of the lady, and it's not long before the whole squad room is held up by the widow of one of Corella's former prisoners. Corella himself is out investigating a locked room murder, ending up fighting with the suspect when his wife Teddy arrives at the squad room and gets herself involved in the hold-up. She had, in fact, just found out that she was pregnant, and the following summer, at the conclusion of the disastrous wedding of Steve's sister Louise, Teddy gives birth to twins, Mark and April. We next find Steve investigating the kidnapping of the son of a chauffeur of a rich shoe magnate, and that is Steve Carella's 1950s. Do you have any other information on No, I think that's enough to be going on with now. So the 87th Precinct is run by Captain John Frick, but we see very little of him. He's left in the background as a sort of example of ineffective bureaucracy, really. The main guy that runs the squad room is Lieutenant Peter Burns. And on his detectives team, alongside Steve Carella, we have the established squad of Detective Meyer Meyer and Detective Roger Haviland. And alongside them, we get Patrolman Bert Kling, who very quickly becomes a detective in the first couple of stories and some other names that haven't cropped up much in these first books in the 1950s, but people like Detective Hal Willis, Detective Arthur Brown, Detective Bob O'Brien. We have Cotton Hawes, who arrives after the departure of Roger Haviland, who is in the bad cop category, or brutish is a better word. And we also have people like Detective Andy Parker, who comes in towards the end of the 1950s, Again, as an example of a different type of cop to the very good cop that Steve Carella is. We have very few female cops in the series, particularly in the 1950s and early part of the 60s. The one that we meet in these books is Detective Eileen Burke. She comes in a lot more later on. In all honesty, McBain's handling of female characters in these early stories isn't brilliant. It's very much genre typed and that's not necessarily a reflection of quite how progressive and interesting the series is it does improve the fact that steve's wife teddy is made a deaf mute could be seen as very restrictive to her but actually what it does is it gives him as a writer challenges to make her more interesting to make her more powerful and find interesting ways to talk about that sort of stuff but i think we need to have a conversation about women and i think it might occur when we look at the next book in the main series the heckler which has got some um, incredible descriptions of female characters anyway but back in the squad room we also see people like uh, the patrolman Alf Miscolo who is the clerical officer there the desk sergeant Dave Murchison and we also get a lot of communication with the 
forensics lieutenant Sam Grossman and that leads to some great parts of the books where he does a lot of descriptive work about how he does forensic calculations of height and body type blood type and how they retrieve details from the various evidence they bring and one of the best features of the books is these reproduction charts and the level of police detail that's in there without it ever being boring so to avoid me getting any more boring I won't go on too much longer I'd just like to mention some of the adaptations of the stories Later in the series, there's fewer adaptations of Ed McBain 87th Precinct books. It seems like some of these later ones weren't a very good fit, and you find some from all around the world, but actually after the end of the 1960s TV series, you don't see many adaptations. All of the books from the 1950s were adapted into episodes of the TV series. In fact, Killer's Choice was adapted into two. But we also have the first three books made as individual films, Cop Hater, The Mugger, The Pusher, none of which are particularly well thought of, I don't think. There's some interesting sort of grittiness to them from the bits I've seen, but they're not very easy to get hold of either. Killer's Choice is one where there's been quite a lot of adaptations. Apart from the two that were adapted into the TV series, there was a, a version from 1958, which was on Kraft TV Theatre, and I'd love to see that. And there's a Japanese adaptation based on it in 2007, so it's still around and... Uh, providing inspiration right up into the new century. Killer's Wedge had a Theatre of Stars adaptation in the 60s, had a French film called La Soupe aux Poulet, and a Japanese adaptation called Satsui in 2005. And then we get to King's Ransom, and this has perhaps the most famous or best thought of adaptation of a McBain, which is Akira Kurosawa's film High and Low from 1963, which itself was adapted into a film in India and a film in the Telugu language in India and a Japanese adaptation in 2007. We are going to do a podcast about High and Low. I've mentioned it before and we haven't got round to doing it, but that shouldn't be too long so that we don't drift too far away from King's Ransom when we do that. So, the next book that we're looking at, as I've mentioned before, is The Heckler, which introduces a really significant villain into the series. So, as soon as the gang's all here and assembled, we will get back into our monthly podcasts about each of the books and throw in some of our bonus episodes as well to do with associated things such as the film High and Low, the film The Birds, Ed McBain's appearance on Desert Island Discs and whatever else I can find, be it connected by rope or by a very narrow thread so dig out your copy of the heckler read it and let us know what your thoughts are on it or if you've got any comments or questions you feel free to get hold of us on twitter or on email you can email us on hark 87 podcast at gmail.com that's basically our name on everything and we look forward to sharing some more of the 87th precinct adventures with you soon goodbye do i never read detective mysteries and they frustrate me I always suspect the wrong man.